Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Cardio Care Now with your host, Dr. Seth Martin. Dr. Martin is a preventive cardiologist and a professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiology at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine in Baltimore, Maryland. The views of the speakers are their own and do not reflect the views of their respective institutions or consultant 360. Welcome back to the Cardio Care Now podcast. Really excited to have our next guest with us for an exciting conversation. This is Dr. Grazia Aleppo, who's a professor of medicine in the Division of Endocrinology at Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine, where she also wears the hat of being director of the Diabetes Education Program. And we had the pleasure to connect at a cardiometabolic health conference in Boston, which had a focus on digital health, where Dr. Aleppo shared some really fascinating science and insights and clinical pearls related to the use of CGM in patients with diabetes. And I thought it would be really great for our audience to, to learn further from Dr. Aleppo on this topic. Of course, type 2 diabetes is a major risk factor for cardiovascular disease. It's been increasing in prevalence. It's a, it's a big problem, but we now have um, newer tools to manage type 2 diabetes and related risks. So really thrilled to have Dr. Aleppo with us to dive into this topic. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Aleppo. Thank you so much, Dr. Martin. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you so much. As we think about CGM and patients with type 2 diabetes, I wonder if we could start sort of zooming out with a broader problem. You know, what is the big problem being solved by CGM in patients with type 2 diabetes? So type 2 diabetes patients develop diabetes when they're older, and they really are not very used to checking the glucose. And so we've been sort of a changing therapies based on the A1C every three to six months, if we're that lucky, without really having any understanding of these patients' fluctuations, and most importantly, the patient doesn't know where the glucose levels are. So CGM with these 288 points per day of glucose and trend errors and graph and information gives us, but also the patient, a plethora of information that really have this huge aha moment and say, oh, that's what's happening to me. That is the number one thing that I find so useful for type 2 patients with CGM. Really um, interesting. And you, know, you, you wear the hat of being director of education. And I imagine, you know, these aha moments are, are a great opportunity for education in, in a way that really connects back with the patient, um, where they can really see the relevance of, of um, understanding diabetes in general, but also their, their specific diabetes as it's specifically affecting them and, and their health. And in fact, that is something when patients come to us and we do either a professional CGM or we put on CGM, the patient comes back with this sort of a, I understand what I can do for myself. They are ready to accept changes in medication. For example, they always resist to go on basal insulin or even add GLP because they're injectables. And then when we show them what the glucose fluctuations are, they really have such a deep understanding and sort of relief because they say, okay, now I understand why um, my glucose are so, I understand why you're pushing me to take a new medication that they might have been very hesitant about. So that is really so important because think about it. People with type 1 diabetes have been used to checking the glucose four times a day for years before CGM, and that wasn't sufficient anyway. 
But type two patients who either resist or don't do it, they want to forget, they have no idea what is going on behind their glucose every single day. So that really, in our education program, makes a huge difference and engages the patient in a way they've never been engaged before. Yeah, that that engagement is so key. I wonder, so the CGM technology itself, I wonder if you could elaborate a bit more. I think our audience will have kind of variable levels of familiarity with CGM having, you know, whether they've personally used it or or how much they've been using it with their patients in practice. Could you just elaborate a bit more on the technology itself, what options we have out there and how, how these options have evolved over time for CGM? Of course. Well, there are two main categories. That is professional CGM and personal CGM. In the professional CGM, the system is usually owned by the practices. We have the patient come in and we put the sensor on. They wear for either 10 to 14 days, whether it's blinded, they don't see the data, or unblinded, where they can actually see the data. They come back and they keep a, a glucose log or they keep a, a food log and activity, and we review with them. And that's the first time we've actually seen their data. Then the personal CGM has two categories, that is intermittent scanning and the real time. So the difference is basically the intermittent scan, you need to sort of scan or tap the sensor transmitter unit, which is one on the arm, to get the information transferred from the sensor to the reader. But the sensor usually has two or three components. That is a little film filament, which is the sensor, goes inside the skin, check the glucose in the interstitial fluids, either because it's inserted every 10 to 14 days or... <clears throat> Every six months, there is the implantable sensors. It's a whole different category, but still personal CGM. And then basically, they have either a transmitter that is part of the sensor transmitter unit or a separate that is changed every 90 days. And then the information is sent to either a reader or a smartphone app. They can actually be shared with family members or even with the cloud and where the providers can actually see the data. So the, the effect of the sensor goes to the person first because they see the data every other minute. You also have trend error and predictive alerts. So the trend error describe how fast or how slowly the glucose is moving up or down. And they could give good information for patients. Let's say they are getting to the car and driving home and they say, oh, my glucose is going down. Perhaps I should eat a snack before I go into the car to avoid hypoglycemia. Similarly, they might have forgot to take the medication for their meal the glucose is going up, it says, hey, you're going really high, do something about it. Um, as far as the alerts, so the alerts are different kinds based on the brand of the sensor, but in general, the alerts are meant to just do that. Tell the patient something is sort of up, either the patient is going down or is already at a low glucose, less than 70 or even worse, less than 55, or the glucose is going up. So how do we use these sensors and these alarms for people with type two, we want to try to avoid and limit at all costs alarm fatigue. So we try to omit initially the high alerts to make people used to actually see the data and not get overwhelmed, but we always put and turn on the low alert because that is very, very important. And people with cephalinuria or insulin are always risk a risk for hypoglycemia. And so they just change it every 10 to 14 days and they come to us sometimes asking for it. But in general, it's just this how the sensor are 10 to 14 days and then um, 180 days for the implantable ones. And again, personal versus professional CGM. Thank you so much. That is really helpful, that, that overview. And I wonder if we could now turn towards the, the benefits of CGM, what you know you view as the key clinical evidence for the benefit of CGM in patients with type 2 diabetes? What sort of improvements in outcomes have been 
uh, realized. And we appreciate if you could just kind of walk us through some of that that key evidence. So there have been a lot of studies with type 2 diabetes just from you know, multiple than injections, because, you know, in the past, we thought that they were only or only for pumps, but it's not true, all the way to people on one basal insulin dose, or so no insulin at all. And so the gold standard so far is still the hemoglobin A1C. And so all these clinical trials, all of them have shown that CGM reduces A1C between 0.6 and 1% in type 2 patients who are using this in the clinical trials in the real world. And... They also improve what we call the timing ranges. Since CGM has been brought to the market, there have been some consensus to, to sort of standardize what these numbers are, what do they represent, and what should we look for in terms of what we see is a good number or bad number, so to speak. So the timing ranges include the timing range, which is 70 to 180 milligram per deciliter, which is supposed to be the standard where people should be most of the time. Uh, ideally 70% or more. So any increase of timing range of 5 to 10% is clinically significant and shown to reduce some complications already. So when you see that in the patients with type 2 studies, you see that there is an increase in timing range in the target of 10 to 15 to 20% and a decrease in the very high glucose above 250 or above 180, for example, that's very, very meaningful. Some other studies also have shown a decrease in hypoglycemia, which sometimes we don't think too much about that. But people with type 2 diabetes, especially those on insulin, have a great fear of hypoglycemia. And there is a lot of unrecognized, especially nocturnal hypoglycemia. So these studies shown us that they really have not only hypoglycemia, but we're able to decrease the frequency of it. And then in terms of bigger, bigger sort of picture, we have seen that there is decrease of hospitalization, decrease of acute visit to the emergency room. And these are done in like thousands of people. So it's sort of either claim-based research or sort of institution-based research that show how the use of CGM in type 2, that's not type 1, type 2 patients can decrease hospitalization, DKI, hypoglycemia, hyperglycemia, so many different things that can really be very costly. In fact, it is felt to be cost-effective. Now, the one thing that I want to add is the thing that is coming up as more and more research has been done on this topic is the patients without taking insulin on CGM. For example, a year ago, just about a year ago, a study was published, a randomized controlled trial, but that showed that people who go for diabetes education plus CGM do better than diabetes education alone. And I can see why that is the case because yes, diabetes education is paramount for patients. But when the patient is empowered to see in their own numbers, there is such an impetus to say, oh my gosh, I need to modify my behavior. And this particular study showed that people spend two extra hours per day in target range and two fewer hours per day in high glucose. So a lot of data coming out and really supporting how CGM can be beneficial in type 2, whether you take insulin or even without taking insulin. Really interesting. Thank you for diving in there. And I guess then to move beyond the clinical trial evidence to your particular practice, I'm curious how CGM has changed your clinical practice over time. I mean, you've already shared about the power in terms of patient education, engagement. I imagine you're seeing patients have more time in, in range and, and so forth. Maybe, you know, you could share just a little bit more what it's like on the front lines using CGM commonly in your practice. And also just for clinicians, you know, what, how, how do you find it logistically, you know, in terms of 
ordering it, getting insurance approvals and so forth. How much, how much effort does that require? How smooth is that for you in your, in your own clinical practice? So the good news is that since April of last year, Medicare has actually expanded the CGM coverage to include people with just one injection per day or actually any insulin per day and a risk for hypoglycemia. So that has made a huge change in the coverage. And so as of now, January, um, other insurance companies are covering CGM for people on just one injection per day of insulin and or hypoglycemia. So if you asked me that question three years ago, it would be much more difficult for type two, but now it's very easy so much so that if a patient come to us on basal so the first thing we do is to put them on a continuous glucose monitoring for two reasons. They're not checking the glucose. I have no data and they have no idea where the glucose levels are. So it's a really a three point. Now it's clinical practice. I can tell you people have told me so many stories or how it has changed their life. It makes my life so much easier because imagine me 10 years ago with this sort of a glucose log with some blood on it, fake glucose numbers taken twice a week. And I had no idea what I was doing, literally. But now with this enormous amount of data that is going on the cloud directly, I can just get the data in more than less than like two seconds, literally. So what I do at clinic is um, the patients have their smartphone, most of them. And so the data is already connected to our Clarity Clinic because when we start the patients on CGM, we connect them immediately. So there is no uploading. You can just look at the computer, click a couple of tabs and see their numbers, turn the computer screen and we dive in the data and say, okay, what is bothering you today? What do you want to tell me about the last few weeks? And they say, I wanted to show you this, this, and this. What happened to me? What didn't happen? So the patient comes with questions. Instead of me directing the visit, is the patient that directs the visit. So it's great. As far as the insurance. So again, um, when people are on one injection per day, we uh, start CGM. Um, the, the multiple daily injection is a given. It's standard of care. Everybody covers it. So it shouldn't be, it should, should be done for everybody. Challenges about coverage are as far as whether it's pharmacy benefits versus DME, which is durable medical equipment, that is based on the patient's insurance and the fact that for Medicare, patient needs to be seen every six months so we can send the chart notes and they can continue to receive their CGM. You know, six months of frequency is a pretty good frequency for visit for diabetes anyway, so it doesn't affect us so much. But I really feel that the human component is what we have forgotten about. The patient feels so much better about their condition. It's a very difficult condition to have diabetes. It's so stigmatized. So many things are bad about it. And instead, they now see their numbers and say, yes, I know I was doing something not so good this day, but this day, look, I actually was able to get to my target. So when somebody is engaged and it's sort of empowered, there is no better thing for us. It's easy for us to look at the data. The patient actually can contact us remote and say, you know, I've had a really bad problem. Can you please take a look? Of course, you go into the software or better yet, we have actual integration of CGM in our institution to the medical records. So I click on a couple of tabs and look at the data, send back a message and the patient is the in-between touch points where in between visit, I can make a meaningful change instead of waiting six months to make an adjustment that can make the patient in much better control you know, before the six months or the three months. So there's a many, many facets, but it's change and it's 
incredibly improve the quality of care we provide for a patient. Yeah, thank you for that description. It's, it seems like it's been a really transformative technology for, for your clinic and, and for many clinics. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm curious, you know, as, as clinicians are looking to adopt more CGM in their practice and thinking about which patients are the best fit for this, if you could share a little more about patient selection, what your kind of key considerations are, tips you have for other clinicians when finding the right patients for CGM? In a way, every patient is a right patient because there is no much involvement. The patient doesn't have to do much. Think about the difference between having to prick their fingers, all this blood is painful, it's dirty. This is something that goes passively into their phones and they can take a look at it. So as far as patient engagement, honestly, every patient on insulin should be on this. And very often, patients come and say, hey, can I use this thing on my arm? And I say, let's look at it, see if you are eligible for therapy. Sometimes when patients are on oral medication, they might not be able because the insurance might not cover it. But if they're hypoglycemia, absolutely, yes. So I would say patients with hypoglycemia or multiple daily injection have to be offered CGM. And I found so far nobody saying no, unless it's a cost, of course, a cost issue. You have to be very attentive to that and understand that some people might not be able to afford it based on the insurance. As far as the other things that are important to mention, it's not just patient selection, rather patient education. Even though these systems are very easy to use, you need to train the patient on what these numbers mean, what the arrows mean, what the troubleshooting is between, for example, the lag time. This is not blood glucose, it's interstitial fluid glucose. So there is always going to be a delay. If they try to contrast and compare, they might get frustrated because they're never going to be the same number, but they're not supposed to be the same number. They're in two different places in two different times. And this becomes particularly relevant when you do hypoglycemia treatment because the glucose in the sensor lags behind a bit longer, whereas the glucose in the bloodstream normalizes faster. So these little tricks to how to address the alarms and to avoid alarm fatigue, understand how to properly start the sensor, what the alarms mean. This is not two-hour training. It's maybe 30 minutes, but it's a very important 30 minutes. And in our practice, the nurses do it, not the educators. They're too busy with doing the classes. So it's not this huge um, sort of uh, effort in terms of staffing. It doesn't really take much, but it's very important to give the first training so they get engaged. And once they get engaged, use it correctly. If you give them a sensor and then look at the data, they feel ignored. And there is no difference between that and the glucose mirror, which we never looked at. So it's make sure the patient looks at the data and we look at the data and engage with some feedback for them. Yeah, this is really helpful. So, I mean, as you speak around certain, uh, you're starting to get in some clinical pearls related to, you know, the lag between uh, blood and interstitial glucose levels. And the, it really, I, I hear how important it is to put that education piece to prioritize it up front so patients can really find this, a system that's serving them and not frustrating or confusing. I wonder if you have any other clinical pearls that I haven't necessarily asked about that you'd want to share. So when we put the patients on CGM, we tell them, please don't be afraid of the numbers you're going to see, because they're going to see these high numbers and say, We've, you've had these numbers for many months. Just know that it's going to get better because I don't want them to get discouraged because the amount of information might be a little bit overwhelming because there's a lot of information. And in fact, 
when, for example, we do professional CGM or the first few weeks of personal CGM, we tell them, don't overdo it. Just look at the data and try to work with what it tells you and monitor, let's say, post-meal fluctuations, see if you can modify the meal. And sometimes we give them actually homework and say, for this first few days, do this in terms of don't take, for example, more insulin, one extra pill of medication, just because it's your high glucose, rather figure out what caused that high glucose. Was that a specific meal? Was it the timing of the medication administration? And so that makes the patients less overwhelmed because I tell you, when the one c is nine or 10% and they'll see 350, they get really scared and they think all of a sudden, geez, I'm gonna have something major where well, they've had this for months. They just don't know about it. So having that you know, upfront information, say, you know, you're gonna see some high glucose, don't worry, this is part of why you're here. We're doing this together so you're going to get better with time. Just know that this is going to be a time when you're going to look at the glucose and say, what can I do to make it better? Once you get that information, first of all, it's not threatening, it's not scary. It, it encourages the, the person and also makes them feel safer. That, I think, is very important to just make the person confident that they can do well with this new tool. Understood. Understood. Well, this has been a fabulous conversation, very informative. I, I wonder for those listening who are interested in diving into CGM even more, what resources you might point folks to for further reading or, or any ways to learn more about this topic. Yes, of course. So the one thing that I would suggest is to go to the American Diabetes Association Standards of Care, the Section 7. It talks about diabetes technology, but also the um, Battellino and colleagues um, paper, which is the consensus on CGM metrics, which was published in 2019 on diabetes care, because that really gives you the explanation as to what the CGM metrics are, why they were there, how to look at uh, the various glucometrics. And finally, my colleague and I, Dr. Smolovich and I, published a paper on for primary care for internist and family practice on how to interpret um, CGM, which was published on postgraduate medicine in 2022, to help the provider in really five minutes to understand what is the problem, where is the problem and how to adjust therapy in three simple steps so it doesn't become overwhelming for the provider who has 10 minutes for the visits and is able to help the patient and, and do meaningful changes in the therapy with the information provided by CGM. Those are really helpful resources. So much appreciated. I, I want to just thank you for taking the time to share your expertise with us today on CGM. I, I know it's going to be very valuable for our audience, and I hope to get to see you again sometime soon at one of the upcoming conferences. Yes, thank you so very much for having me. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Aleppo. For more cardiology content, visit our website, consultant360.com.